How's everyone doing this morning? Good. We're almost awake. It's okay. Almost awake. Who's ready for Christmas? Yes. Uh, who's still got some work to do to get ready for Christmas? Anybody? Yeah, a couple. Okay, I just got to speak to the husbands for a sec. Um, guys, go out and get the gifts that you're supposed to get, okay? One of my favorite things to do is I like to watch people, and I know it's weird, but I love to go to Target on like Christmas Eve and just watch all the husbands like, what do I do? I had no idea this day was coming. I, had, I, I, it's all, I had no idea. And so, hey, go out. You know, you got time. Don't wait. Um, you're welcome, wives and girlfriends. So um, we're continuing our series in this, uh, the kingdom Christmas sim, keeping the focus of the kingdom in the Christmas season. And last week, if you were here, we talked about how the kingdom of God is a huge part, huge part of scripture. And we talked about how we see the kingdom of God and the gospel preached at the same time most often. And we dove into the book of Acts and we talked about how it's book ended with Christ talking about the kingdom and, and then Paul talking about the kingdom. And it's this theme that we see woven through it. And then we talked about who sits on the throne of this kingdom. And you remember the answer to that is? That is? Jesus, yes. It wasn't a trick question, it's Jesus. Jesus sits on the throne. Uh, <laughs> I don't want to answer wrong in church. Um, Jesus sits on that throne. And now we're going to talk today on how do we live. If this is the truth and this is what this kingdom is, and we, we sit under and we submit to a king of this kingdom in Jesus, how do we, as the Christ follower, live in like day to day, moment to moment in this kingdom and working for this kingdom. And we're gonna start in Matthew 6, 33. We just sang this verse here. It says, but seek what? First, let's stop there, keep it up there. If you have your Bible, circle first. This is important. Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all of these things will be added to you. Why is seek first important? Because it's saying, this is, this is seeking first over everything else. I want you to hear me on this. When this is written, this is taking in to context, this is taking in that you have a busy life. This is taking into account that you have stresses in life. This is taking into account that you have kids. This is taking into account that you have a job that you have to put, it's, it's taking all of those things to account and it is saying, without, without a doubt, seek what? First. Seek first the kingdom of God. It's taking all these things into account. And, and it, I get worried sometimes because we can become really good at seeking this kingdom when it's convenient for us. Or maybe, like, I don't know, I love to play hide and seek with my kids. Um, and here's how sometimes I'll play hide and seek with my kids. We'll count, one, two, go hide, and then I'll just leave them there. <laughs> I'll leave them there, I'll turn on the game, I'll watch the game, I'll hear them giggling like, oh, he's not gonna find us. I'm like, oh no, where are they? <laughs> uh, I'll, I'll, I'll do that for a long time. Um, don't judge me, you've done it too, if you have kids. You've done it. Uh, it, it here's why I say this, because if we're honest, sometimes... As Christians, we can do this when we're seeking the kingdom. Oh, I'm gonna, I'm gonna get there. I'm gonna start changing my life to, to look this way. I'm gonna start seeking after Christ and his kingdom first in my life once I get all this stuff taken care of. Seek first the kingdom of God. And before we go any further, I want, as we get, lean into Christmas, we wanna give you a little tool to help you with this. 
to be a little reminder for you, to help you engage with God and his kingdom on a daily basis. We got this little screensaver. You can put it up there on the screen. You uh, take a picture of this. It will give you a free screensaver for you just to remember this process as we lead into Christmas. Uh, the idea of seeking first, giving him our first and our best. We'll leave that up there just for a little bit. So um, take that now if you want. But when it comes to seeking first the kingdom, we're gonna talk through this in three main areas today. What I, what I think it means to live with the heart seeking first the kingdom of God. What does it look like for the Christian? There's three areas we're gonna talk about. There are these three areas right here. Serve, sacrifice, and this one you might be mad at me for, but it's true, suffer. Serve, sacrifice, and suffer. Let's start with serve. It says this in Isaiah 61, one and two. The spirit of the Lord God is upon me because the Lord has anointed me to bring good news to the poor. He has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives and the opening of the prison to those who are bound, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor and the day of vengeance of our Lord and to comfort those who mourn. You can see these words here, to bring good news, to bind up, to proclaim, to comfort, these actionable words that we're called to do as followers of Christ. We're called to serve in such a way that looks like this, that looks like this passage to do these things. We are called to serve. And it's, it's amazing because we have such an amazing example of service as a, uh, a follower. Our, our King, Jesus, showed us what it means to be a servant, to lay down one's life to lay down one's life on behalf of humanity, on behalf of those around, to, to lay down, to humble oneself in pursuit of service to others. This is a call to the Christian in the kingdom. And I wanna talk real quick, just three areas in this Christmas season that I want us to focus on serving in. If we just focus on these three areas and we made this a priority in our life, I believe our life would look so much different. When it comes to serving, these three areas. First one is this, we're called to serve our home. We are called to serve within our home. I know it's a weird thing to think about, but I wonder how many times when we wake up, we go through our day, we ask ourselves, how do I serve my household today? How do I serve my spouse? How do I serve my kids? How do, how do I serve my roommates, whoever's in that home with me? And by serving them, by, by lessening myself, by, by taking a step back and humbling myself and serving them, showing them the ultimate service that Christ has done for them. I, I worry about this because so often we can become very well at serving outside in our community, all these other areas, then we get home. Okay, let's turn off the service aspect. My family has to love me, right? They have to. But I, don't, I want us to remember that we are called to be servants in our home. Something radical will happen in your household if you try to outserve each other. I'm telling you. If you're, if you're like gonna compete at anything in your household, compete at serving each other. And see what happens. We're called to serve our home. We're called to serve in the church. It's called to serve in, in, in the body. As a follower of Christ in, in the kingdom of God in mind, we are called to serve the church. And there's a lot of opportunities to serve here, especially leading into Christmas. 
But I wanna, hear me on this. We are called to serve each other in the church. This, this, the church is not designed for us to just live life off by ourselves. We are called to live shoulder to shoulder with each other, lifting each other's burdens when we're made aware of them. The church is supposed to, I mean, like when you look around, you see all these people, they're a part of our family and we serve each other. And the last one is this, we're called to serve our community. Our, our, our immediate community. The people right around us in our everyday life. The people we work with, the per- people we see on the way to work. You know that one employee that makes your sandwich at your favorite sandwich spot? Yeah, we're called to serve them. And I, I, I have a concern for the, the, the modern Christian. Hear me, uh, just give me a second. Let me, let me just give you a little bit of my concern. Is I, I see somewhat the church transitioning to this mindset of becoming really good at, at praying at, for, for the nations and, and praying for the world and praying for, and there's not, these are great things to pray for, but I wonder if we have so many Christians praying for the nations but don't know the name of their neighbor. My, my neighbor's here this morning, so I just wanna know, I love you, neighbor. Uh, I wonder if the church, we have these global ideas and fixing the world and we're missing this opportunity of this mission field one house over, one street down. Church, you are the missionary God sent to your community. You are the person that God is saying. You are placed in a moment in time to be the, be the hands and feet of Jesus to the people around you. I, 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 I get concerned about this, that, that we can get so good at, at offloading the responsibility of being a servant to the, to, the, the, to the church. If I could just get them to come to church. If I could just get, if I could just get them to hear this video or this, just go love them. Just go serve them and see what happens, amen? We're called to serve in these three areas and when it comes to service, I want us to think about this idea of service, of a type of service that doesn't make sense. Service without reward. That's what the Christian is called to do, is to serve without the promise of reward or even gratitude. Has anybody ever done something really nice for something and they just didn't even care? That doesn't feel good, does it? But that's sometimes as a Christian, we're gonna be called into that. I found this story of Mother Teresa that I think shows a great picture of this. It's a story of she is working in this clinic and she's wrapping the wounds of this victim who has this horrible flesh-eating bacteria on him. And it's very contagious. And it's gonna lead ultimately to this man's death. There's no cure. And Mother Teresa is changing his wounds. Very engaged with this person who has this flesh-eating bacteria. And there happens to be a photographer for a a huge magazine at this moment touring this clinic, seeing the work that's being done. And he asked Mother Teresa, can I take a picture? Can Can I take a picture of this and use it for my magazine? And being Mother Teresa, she said, of course. And he's taking pictures and he mumbles to her after she stepped away from the gentleman. He says to her, Mother Teresa, you couldn't pay me a million dollars to do this. And she said, you couldn't pay me a million dollars to do it either. 
I'm not doing this for the reward. I'm doing this because what I'm called to do. The Christian is not called to serve and be the hands and feet of Christ so you get glory, so you get the, the, the cookie at the end of the, the day. or the, like When I do this with my kids all the time, you know, if you do this, I'll give you the treat. Anybody parents like that? If you just clean your room, I'll give you a Snickers bar. Right? Christians, that is not called, that's not how we are called to live as believers. We are called to realize that the king of the universe gave of himself and served humanity in the ultimate form by lowering himself and dying on a cross. And our only response is to serve others around us no matter what. No matter what, what happens, maybe sometimes there is a reward, great. Maybe sometimes there's punishment that comes with it, great. I am called to serve, not based on what I'm gonna get, but what I can give, amen? We're called to this radical idea of service. And service is gonna hurt a little bit as a Christian. Service, it should hurt a little bit. I, I, I want the church, I want us as the body of Christ to get to this place where we are stepping out in service in such a way that we feel it. It says this in Luke 9, 59. Jesus is speaking here. And he said, to the other, he said, follow me. But he said, Lord, let me first go bury my father. And Jesus said to him, leave the dead to bury their own dead. But as for you, go and proclaim the kingdom of God. I know some of you are reading this and you're like, Jesus, harsh. I mean, that's, that's hard read, right? Lord, I'm gonna follow you, but first, just let me go bury my father. Let the dead bury their own dead. But as for you, go and proclaim the kingdom of God. I, it's interesting, a lot of philosophers and theologians around this passage believe, and I do as well, that this man is using this, this real world scenario as a way to procrastinate his following. God, I have stuff I have to take care of and then I'll follow. Then I'll go. And why this verse is so important is that we have to realize that to be a follower of Christ, to be a follower of the king of this kingdom, it is going to cost us things. It's gonna require in us this, this giving up of things and putting first the what? The kingdom. Do you, now, I wanna make sure, does Jesus not care about this man's world, this situation and what he's going through? No, Jesus is totally present of that. But he's taking this moment to say, the kingdom, the kingdom, the kingdom of God is above all things. It's first. It's gonna require in us sacrifice, which is our second point. We're called to serve, and then we're called to sacrifice. Romans 12.1 puts it this way. I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. To, to present your bodies, your life, when it's saying here to present your body, it's saying to present your whole, your whole being as a living sacrifice. This is funny because the idea of a living sacrifice is kind of a contradiction, isn't it? 
when you read about sacrifices in, in the Old Covenant and the Old Testament, a sacrifice was putting something to death to atone for something. And now we're being called to the, this living sacrifice. And what we're being called to is the putting to death in the things in us that aren't glorifying and worshiping Jesus. To, to humble ourselves, to, to sacrifice in us the things that might stop us from being a worshiper of our King. I, I, I wonder sometimes if we have gotten really good at saying the right things and going through the right motions and just playing this whole thing of church. And we've forgotten what it really means to be a living sacrifice. To live in such a way that I am in complete surrender and sacrifice to my God. We're coming off the end, we've gone through this campaign and I know there's a lot of us in this room that we have prayed through and we've practiced through just this complete surrender of giving God our first and our best. But to be a Christian who's living with the kingdom of God in mind, it's gonna require sacrifice. Some of you in this room are gonna lose relationships over what God calls you into. Some people in this room are going to sacrifice huge financial amounts to bless people. And it's gonna cost you things. But hear me on this. Living as a living sacrifice and sacrificing for the kingdom of God is something you will never regret. I know it's scary. I've been at that moment where I'm about ready to take this leap of faith, what God is calling me in, into, it's gonna cost a lot, it's gonna hurt a lot, and I've had to take that leap. I've never regretted taking a leap of faith because Christ always exceeds my expectations, amen? And we should wake up, say, how do I serve? And know that when I serve God, it will require sacrifice. Now it would be great if we just ended with those two S's, right? Serve and sacrifice. But we're also going to suffer. I know it's not a very Christmassy message. But as a Christian in the kingdom, I will suffer. With a kingdom in mind and living for Christ, I, I will face suffering. Trust me, as a pastor, and a communicator, I would love to just be able to come up here and say, the moment you accept Jesus, everything works perfectly. There's nothing that will ever go wrong in your life. That promotion you've been waiting for, it's gonna happen. Oh man, when you, as a follower of Christ, you don't drive around beater cars anymore. We all get Mercedes. Woo! Trust me, that would be easier than to speak about this, that as a Christian, you're going to suffer. It doesn't just get easier. But as a Christian, as a follower of Christ, yes, you will suffer, but you do not suffer alone. You don't suffer alone. You suffer with our King. 
Read this passage with me here. We'll close with this. 1 Peter 4, 12 and 13. Beloved, do not be surprised at the fiery trial when it comes upon you to test you as though something strange were happening to you. But rejoice insofar as you share Christ's suffering that you may also rejoice and be glad when his glory is revealed. Real quick, I have four points here on suffering. Here they are. When it comes to suffering, point one, suffering is a fact. You will suffer. You will face moments of suffering. I know right now that there's some of us in this room who are in a season of suffering. And if you're not, I hate to say this and I hate to not be the encouraging one, you're going to be someday. Because you read this passage, it says, beloved, do not be surprised at the fiery trial when it comes upon you to test you. Don't be surprised. When it comes to suffering, we have to know that we will face it, we are facing it, we're going to. It's a fact. But point two, we have a king who also suffered and suffers with us. Christ suffered. When it says this, but rejoice as you what? Share Christ's suffering. Isn't this a beautiful thing? That yes, we will face trials, but I have the king of the kingdom with me? That I don't have to suffer all by myself. I have a king who, who, who came from heaven to earth, who fought, faced the worst suffering a person could imagine. He's felt those feelings. He's felt those hurts. And when I suffer, he's with me. He's with me. Point three, there can be purpose to our suffering. There can be purpose to our suffering. I think of Jose's video last week. Anybody see his video last week we showed in church? What a life he had, filled with so much suffering, so much pain. But you know what I got to see last week? After every service, as Jose shared his story, what Christ has done in his life, after every service, I'd walk around and I would see people talking to Jose who are saying, I've gone through what you've going through. I've gone through your pain. I'm currently going through it. Help me. And people found their relationship with Jesus because Jose was vulnerable to say, I've suffered, but Christ has saved me. He's worth, there, there can be purpose. There can be purpose to our suffering. Even purpose in seeing the world differently. I and myself and my family, we have faced things that have hurt, that have been hard. But what Christ has done in us through those seasons has been amazing. There can be purpose to your suffering. And point four, and one day, one day there will be no suffering. One day there will be no suffering it says that here at the end of this verse that you may also rejoice and be glad that his glory is revealed. 
the kingdom. One day, the king is coming back to claim what is his, where he will dry every tear and mend every wound. And he, there will be a place with no suffering or hurt or pain where your eternity will be spent as a believer in him. When you think of it through this lens, it changes our suffering. I want to give you the right lens of viewing suffering because I know that we have seasons of pain and suffering. But we have a promise of the kingdom of an eternity without it. I want to, let me show you, let me put it this way. Can anybody tell me what this is? You see it on the screen? Yeah, yeah, it's the Coliseum, good job. It's the Coliseum. It's a picture of the Coliseum. It's not the actual Coliseum. I couldn't fit it up here. It's a picture of the Coliseum. And I want this just to represent suffering. This picture right here represents suffering. Maybe you're going through or, or you've been through it and, and it's real, it's a thing. And, and I want to show you something. Like, come down here real quick. My friend's right here with the camera. This represents suffering. And there are seasons in life where it can take up the whole field of our view. It, it can take up everything. And all we see is the suffering and pain that we're in. All we can see is the hurt or the, the, the hardship that we're going through right now. And it seems so big. And maybe it is big. I know it hurts. I know you're going through it. I know it's painful and it's right in your face, but when I read scripture, it starts to put things in perspective that my current suffering in the midst of eternity in the view of the world becomes smaller as I lean into Christ. That yes, I still have suffering, but when I look at the view of eternity and it's not right there and I remember that I've promised a future without suffering, without pain, I can handle things a little bit more. I can see a future that's more clear and I can hold on to the promise of Jesus that I will spend eternity with him, amen? Now, I wanna make sure one thing's clear. I still hold the suffering. Right? I'm still going to hold it. It's still going to hurt. I'm still going to be in a trial. But when I get the right perspective of my suffering, when I start to see the bigger picture of what Christ is doing, what Christ has promised, and the kingdom that will come, where one day I will never have to hold this again. One day, because of the love of my Savior, I will never feel the pain of this world. I will never feel the sting of death. I will never have to cry tears. I will live in a place of worship and adoration for the King that made it possible for me to one day lay down my suffering, amen? As we lead into Christmas and the Christmas season, let us keep the kingdom in mind. Let us have a clear perspective and a bigger picture 
of the things we're facing. Amen? Let's pray. I'm going to do something a little different. Actually, you can look up. Sorry. I said earlier that the church is here for each other. I know that there's some of us who are suffering right now. We are hurting. You're carrying something that you are not designed to carry alone. You're facing trials that you don't know how you're gonna make it. You have thoughts and emotions that are too much to bear. You are not designed to do this alone. You have a savior who loves you and wants to share them with you and a church that wants to lift you up and walk through life with you. I wanna ask, I'm gonna ask you to do something really bold. If you right now are going through a season of suffering and you are carrying something and you are just willing to say, I need help. I need prayer, I need people, I need to be lifted up, I need to not carry this alone. Would you do the bold thing right now and stand to your feet? Stand to your feet and just say, I need this, amen. Amen. Look around. You're not in this alone. I'm gonna pray for you, amen. Church, if you're willing to, if you're willing to stand and if you see someone standing around you, just go ahead and put your hand on them. If you're comfortable doing that. I know this is a little outside of our norm and we don't usually do this, but I just, I wanna lift up those who are suffering right now in this season. Let's pray. Father God, we love you. We praise you. I lift up all these ones who have stood today who are coming and saying, I need help. I'm in a season. Give them a clear view of your perspective of this season, God. Right now, I pray for a radical touch of your love and your peace and your hope. Let them not carry this alone, God. Let them share with people around them. We are just praying for you to move as only you can. For you to mend the broken, to heal the hurting, to bring hope to the hopeless. Father, move as only you can. We give you all the glory and all the praise, believing in you. It's in Jesus' name we pray, amen.